Tuesday, January the 12th, and this is your morning briefing from The Economist, sponsored by TD Ameritrade. Coming up, Trump to face impeachment and France to build a green wall. First, the world in brief. Democrats in America's House of Representatives introduced an article of impeachment against President Donald Trump, charging him with incitement of insurrection after his supporters stormed the Capitol on Wednesday in a violent riot that led to five deaths. Republican lawmakers blocked a resolution asking Mike Pence, the vice president, to invoke the 25th Amendment and remove Mr. Trump from office, which is now likely to go to a full House vote on Tuesday. Democrats are then planning a separate vote on impeachment the next day, according to Steny Hoyer, the House Majority Leader. Mike Pompeo, America's Secretary of State, said he would designate Yemen's Houthi rebels, who have been fighting the government for almost six years, a terrorist organization. Humanitarian organizations were outraged, saying that the decision will prevent them operating in famine-struck areas. The Trump administration also designated Cuba a state sponsor of terrorism, reversing an Obama-era decision to remove it from a blacklist. Malaysia's king declared a state of emergency in response to a surge of COVID-19 infections. The mandate, which may be extended until August, will allow parliament to be suspended, leaving the prime minister, Muhyiddin Yassin, to govern by decree. His position had been under threat. The country recorded around 2,000 to 3,000 daily infections last week, forcing it into lockdown. President Emmanuel Macron of France announced that his government will invest nearly $15 billion in building a great green wall in the Sahel region, south of the Sahara, in a bid to combat desertification in Africa. The four-year project is supposed to help create 10 million jobs, capture 250 million tonnes of carbon dioxide, and restore 100 million hectares of land. Benjamin Netanyahu, Israel's Prime Minister, ordered 800 new homes for Jewish settlers to be built in the occupied West Bank. The move may aggravate Joe Biden, who seems set to restore America's previous position, abandoned under Donald Trump, of treating such settlements as illegal. Mr. Netanyahu hopes to attract right-wing, pro-settlement voters ahead of a general election in March, the fourth in two years. After more than a century of producing cars in Brazil, Ford said it was closing all three of its plants there. The move comes as the carmaker implements an $11 billion restructuring plan. Ford has made heavy losses in South America in recent years. Around 5,000 Brazilian workers will lose their jobs. The firm, meanwhile, will incur $4.1 billion in charges. And Indonesia's drug regulator found Sinovac Biotech's COVID-19 vaccine 65% effective and approved it for emergency use. The country is the first outside China to authorize it. Brazil and Turkey found the jab to be more effective but have not yet granted approval. Vaccine skepticism abounds in Indonesia despite high case numbers and Islamic clerics declaring the Sinovac shot holy and halal last week. And now, here's today's agenda. Ne pas parler. Alt-social media crumbles. The storming of America's capital and the subsequent decision by Twitter and Facebook to ban President Donald Trump from their social media platforms raised the profile of rival free speech apps such as Parler enormously. 
At first, John Mates, Parler's chief executive, attempted to capitalise on the situation to woo disaffected users. But the increased attention may have proved its undoing. Apple and Google announced that Parler would no longer be available in their app stores, which act as gatekeepers to virtually every smartphone on the planet. Then Amazon kicked Parler off its web hosting service, in effect erasing it from the internet. Users flooded to Telegram, a messaging app favoured in America by far-right extremists who welcomed these refugees with open arms. Mr. Mates said that Parler must now rebuild from scratch after other companies it works with abandoned it. Doing so will require partners willing to tolerate its toxic reputation. Trump's farewell gift to Europe, the EU-US trade war. European leaders may well pop a few corks to celebrate the end of the Trump administration, which turned America from the bloc's top trade partner into, by President Donald Trump's own account, a foe. They will probably have more locally produced drinks to go around, thanks to a parting gift from the administration. Today, America will apply further tariffs to French and German wine and spirits, adding to the duties the country has levied on some European alcoholic imports since October 2019. The trade dispute stemmed from a long-running row over government subsidies between Boeing, America's biggest plane maker, and Airbus, Europe's aerospace champion. The tariffs have hit booze producers already suffering from the closure of restaurants due to the COVID-19 pandemic. It is possible that the two sides will forge a truce before the Biden administration arrives. Talks are reportedly underway. If not, it will be yet another problem for President-elect Joe Biden to fix. Lisa Montgomery's fate, American federal executions. Barring a last-minute intervention by the Supreme Court, Lisa Montgomery, a federal prisoner in Texas, will be executed today. She is the only woman on the national death row and would become the 11th condemned prisoner to die since federal executions resumed under Donald Trump after a 17-year break. Her case is exceptionally grim. She murdered Bobby Jo Stinnett, a 23-year-old pregnant woman in Missouri in 2004, then cut out her victim's fetus and claimed it as her own baby. The child survived. Ms Montgomery's lawyers sought clemency, saying that her tragic life as a childhood survivor of rape, other abuse and brain damage resulted in psychosis and diminished responsibility. Severe mental illness, they say, made her unfit for such punishment. Her execution was delayed from December after lawyers fell ill with coronavirus. A plea to Mr Trump for mercy had no effect. If put to death, she will be one of just a handful of female federal prisoners to have been executed. Suffering in Silence, the World's Forgotten Hunger Crisis Today, America's Department of Agriculture publishes data about world food production in 2020. The UN expects global cereal production to have hit a new high, but that does not mean that it was equally distributed. Lower incomes due to COVID-19 recessions and disruption to logistics, as well as increased civil unrest and the worst locust outbreak in decades, have caused hunger to increase. In November, the UN's World Food Programme estimated that globally an additional 137 million people suffered acute food insecurity, an increase of 82% from before the pandemic. The diversion of aid money and policymakers' attention towards fighting COVID-19 has not helped. Nor has the distraction of the media by the pandemic, as noted in a report published today by CARE, a charity. 
Journalists in 2020, for instance, wrote more than 50,000 articles about the cancelled Eurovision Song Contest, but only around 2,000 about drought and hunger in Zambia. Safety in mergers, North Sea Oil Britain's North Sea oil industry has been in decline for years, as the easiest reserves to extract are used up. So, the remaining firms in the region are seeking safety in numbers. Today, shareholders of one of the oldest, Premier Oil, vote on a takeover offer by Chrysor Holdings, a rival to form the North Sea's biggest independent oil and gas producer. The deal is an effort to adapt amid low energy prices. Independent oil firms are struggling with large debt piles. Premier has nearly $2 billion in net debt. The biggest super majors are not particularly interested in buying small companies with assets in mature oil basins, but some private equity firms continue to see opportunity in consolidation and their steady cash flows. Chris Orr is backed by Harbour Energy, in turn backed by EIG General Energy Partners, a private equity firm. The North Sea oil industry may be suffering in old age, but it is not dead yet. Finally, here's the quote of the day from Edmund Burke, who was born on this day in 1729. You can never plan the future by the past. That's it from The Economist Morning Briefing, available every weekday and on Saturdays. You can hear interviews and analysis from our journalists, including our current affairs podcast, The Intelligence, by searching for The Economist on your podcast app or asking your smart speaker to play the latest Economist radio podcast. And as a subscriber, you have access to each week's full edition in audio. Just download The Economist app on your mobile device to start listening.